The Blockbusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other fine shows such as Sarcasm City, That's Delightful, Worst Millennials, The Ectoplasm Show, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now get ready to sit back and enjoy another episode of the Blockbusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 103 of the Bloatbusters podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be talking about the latest Steven Spielberg film, Ready Player One. And yes, bef- indeed. Before we dive into that, uh, real quick, uh, out the top, and there might be a bit of a surprise here for people that uh, have been listening to us for a long time. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Blokebusters. Mm-hmm. You can email us at theblokes at blokebusters.com, which actually does mean, yes, we finally, after this long, have blokebusters.com as a website. <laughs> I yes, and they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> yes, <Wow. laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, maybe it's too little, too late. But hell, we have it now. So, <laughs> but that's been our motto from day one: too little, too late. So, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yes. Too little, so. yeah. Too little, too yeah. Early, and now it's been too late. So. <laughs> So yes, um, that's exciting bit of news right up the top there is that we've actually bothered to make ourselves legitimate in our web space. So yes. there you go. I think we're another uh, fifteen years away from a Patreon. All right, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> if everything keeps going along schedule, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, so yes. Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Yes. Uh, Let's get to the money, huh? Yes, yes the money, obviously, directed by Steven money, Spielberg. And a budget. Now, this is an interesting one, because there's mm-hmm. not necessarily having them come out and say it, but it has been reported by a couple of different sources that the budget is about $175 million. So that's what I'm going with on this one. That's what, yeah, that's what I found. Yeah, And so the box office, as of officially reporting five days afterwards is 186,451,789 US dollars. And that's worldwide, right? That is worldwide. The interesting thing is that 31.6% of that is the domestic. So in America, it has only made 59 million. Yeah. And like opening weekend, I think it was just 40. I... or a little over 40. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, just under 42, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, not great, nope. I don't think. Not probably what they were projecting. Probably not, no. I, I imagine that uh, they were at least hoping for more than that. But uh, I would say, let's give it another couple of weeks and see what happens. And uh, yeah, hopefully I don't we can... think, well, I don't think it's going to have Black Panther legs, um, pun no. intended. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, but, but, but nothing will, <laughs> so no, <laughs> and yes, for people still not in the know about who is in this film, uh, real quickly going through, you got Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts, 
Olivia Cook as Samantha Cook, Ben Mendelssohn as Nolan Sorrento, uh, Lino. Now I really just looked this up. It is Wade uh, yeah. as uh, Helen Harris or H. Uh, T.J. Miller is Irock. Simon Pegg, uh, always wonderful as uh, Ogden Morrow. Uh, Mark Rylance as James Halliday, and I will attempt to get this right first time. You got Philip Zhao as Akihide uh, Karatsu. Show. Or show. Just show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Win Morisaki as uh, Toshiro Yoshiaki or Daito. Uh, yeah. Yep, that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are yeah. pretty much the main players that you've got to mm-hmm. uh, pay attention to. Um, the only other thing that I realized, technically I realized when I was watching it, but I wasn't sure, and uh, I just confirmed it, Letitia Wright is in this film. Yeah? Yeah, she plays <laughs> a rebel that is seen very, 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 very briefly about the, like, 40% of the way through the film. She's just like there and that's it. She's gone. And it's like, oh, okay. Maybe she had a scene that was cut. I don't know. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe um, <laughs> after Black Panther was so <laughs> phenomenally successful, that she's like, eh, I don't need, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I caught that as well. So yeah, because you were talking about that and I'm like, because <gasps> she is very recognizable now and I am, very excited for what's to come for her but yeah yes. she won't have trouble booking jobs for a while i don't think so probably not no not just the success of the film she's in but the talent that she brings but uh yeah yeah so uh, where would you like to dive into this one um well i think what would be best would be to explain what our thoughts were and our experience with this before we went to see it because uh, i'm sure like we can do that be, yeah quickly i feel like that's going to be important yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so none on to you <laughs> absolutely none all right so <laughs> i just yeah well i remember yeah i'll uh, go a little more detailed but yeah i'm sorry i'm just excited to get into the um the film itself oh, yes. but um <laughs> yeah so i knew this was coming out i knew it was a novel for quite a while it was always on the my to read list which always gets added to and very rarely gets things crossed off. Very much uh, like Netflix, actually, now. <laughs> yes, exactly. The queue just grows and grows, and every once in a while I, uh, I get one out knocked out of there. But, uh, yeah, so never got around to reading the book. Um, was kind of excited for this. Um, I knew, you know, it would be something that's normally up my alley, kind of going into it, and that's about all I knew, and that's all about all I all I care to find out going in. Okay. All right. Well, this this film, I think I heard about the film and I decided I was going to read the book because I heard what the film was when they announced it. And when I heard the basic premise, I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And so I, I went and read the book and I read the book and I read the book really quickly. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, probably because it's heavily based around video game, I really dived into the book and I I really liked it. And then I started to think, how is this going to translate to a film? Because, and without spoiling the book at all, uh, there are things in the book that I was thinking would be 
either very, 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 very difficult to put into a film or would just be a logistical nightmare to get into the film and might also be boring for a visual audience. And I will say right now that the film is very different from the book. So <laughs> so anyone, okay. anyone that sees the film and then goes, well, I'm not going to read the book because I don't need to. Like, no, no, this is one of those situations where it is vastly different. So, yeah, and I'll go into it a little bit more detail when we're actually reviewing it. So, yeah, well, so yeah. I, uh, I was going into this film a little nervous. I knew they changed it, mostly because of the first trailer. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit nervous and a little bit excited when I walked in to see it. And yes, so uh, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't know where to start with this one. There's well, so many ways uh, we can go. <laughs> so um, I guess we can. I think uh, I kind of like just going over all feelings. Um, let's not hold off any longer. Um, okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I think I kind of went. I don't know if I went first last time or not. Let's say I did. I, what did you think of Ready Player One? And, what did I think of Ready Player yeah. One? Um, well, the film, uh, <laughs> let's try to keep this. Yes. So we are yes, in film yes. podcast. Right, yeah. yes. Red, Ready player one, the film. Um, I really enjoyed this film. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I thought you might say that. Yes. Uh, I, I, I went in, as I said, I went into this film a little bit nervous and pretty much from the word go, I was, I was hooked into their take on it. Uh, like the visuals, and I, I'll mention exactly what I'm talking about a little bit later, but the visuals I felt were really well done, and I was almost instantly okay with the changes they made just because I I had kind of accepted it, and then it was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing and how they're going about this and how they've made it into a film. And so, yeah, I um, uh, it, one of the very few instances I found where I was absolutely fine with how different it was from the books. And, yeah, um, yeah really, overall, I very much enjoyed this film. So. All right. I uh, kind of thought, yeah, after podcasting with you for a while, uh, you know, what, six years now, I kind of <laughs> yeah. thought that might be uh, your take. Um, yes. <laughs> so uh, you might sense in my delay, I really wanted to love this movie <laughs> and tried throughout most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just could not get there. Uh, okay. This, I mean, I, I want to. I'll get into specific bits here and there, but it. My overall feeling was it, it was a lot of kind of spectacle without too much content, without okay. too much character and heart, and right. mostly just glitz and glamour and showiness. <laughs> and the phrase I might overuse here in this podcast is nostalgia porn. It was yeah. and very unearned in my opinion. Nostalgia <laughs> porn. Right. Um I I just yeah, I had a lot of issues with this. I, and I'm not happy about about having these issues. I wanted to come on this podcast and say I love this movie, but yeah. I, I it just didn't work for me. Uh yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. Right. <laughs> Even setting it in Columbus, Ohio. Sorry. Couldn't couldn't get it done. Yeah. No. <laughs> 
Well, sorry, it was mainly set in the Oasis, but yeah. Yes, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, having the physical world reset mostly uh, mm-hmm. there, yes. Uh, yeah, and might I say, I think Columbus, Ohio will be resembling the stacks sooner than 2045, <laughs> I think. <laughs> if the current administration has anything to say with it, sorry, I can't even clear, but yeah, probably be looking like that in about 2025. Uh, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um just for those of you who may be new to the podcast, I would like to say this at, at the top of every episode. This is a spoiler cast. We do talk about everything that happens in the movie, the ending. Um, yep. So you don't want things ruined for you. Um, pause and uh, go watch it if you're so inclined. If you don't care, then keep on plugging along here. Yeah. Um, but essentially, this is what a um, – I kind of brought up this name before we recorded, Unrelated. But this is kind of a video game Willy Wonka, right? Kind of, kind of, yeah. Kind of. Uh. <laughs> we have a creator or an inventor, whatever you want to say, who is, unlike Willy Wonka, who was alive, he is kind of bequeathing, as he has died, this this uh, inheritance of this virtual reality world he has created. Um, and you must collect these three keys to find this Easter egg in pretty much what is amounts to a pretty close to infinite or very, very, very large virtual reality world. Yes. Um, uh, and, so, uh, and it's been what, like four or five years they said, and no one has found even the first key. Yeah. It's been five years. I think years. that's where we pick up. That's where we start off. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, uh, for, for people that have read the book, when the first trailer came out, uh, I would like, and this is the point where you realize just how different it was. They showed this big car racing scene, and I saw that, and I was like, "That's not in the book." And then they kept showing it in all the trailers, being like, "Yeah, oh, this is clearly important." And then I think the last trailer came out, and they were saying like, "Yeah, and this is the race for the first key." And I was like, "That no, that's not in the book," because in the book, at no point is there. A, a car race in the oasis so i was like okay this is interesting like what what are they doing and uh in the book what they go through to get the key and what they go through after that is vastly different i don't want to spoil it because i know you haven't read it and i would like you to read it and i would implore anyone else listening to this that hasn't read the book to go and read it because it is so different yeah uh, but yeah it is mm-hmm. like from here on out, I'm gonna have to just talk about the film because uh, yeah, see, I don't want to do yeah. Now in the book, every yeah, every uh, yeah. So that's yeah, uh, so yeah. So I would say maybe even some of your problems with it will be uh, <laughs> yeah. Will oh be no, yeah. Vanished. Uh, I, I did feel watching this that as I was watching it, even though you say it's different, um, I still felt like this. I can see how this would work much better as a novel. Yeah. I think it's much. This is a story that lends itself to the reader's creativity more than putting that in the hands of an art director and a DP and, you know, all the people involved in making a film where you're, that world is created for you. Um, so I can definitely see, and I will hopefully read the book sometime. Um, yeah, uh, I just don't know. Um, I there were. I don't want to come off too negative here. You know, imagine me saying that. Right. Um, but <laughs> there were a lot of 
bits that I love that I, I don't know. Love might be strong that I really liked about this movie. Right. Um, there was a lot of performances, uh, that I loved. I mean, Lena Waits is fantastic. Mark Rylance is always great. Yeah. Um, Ty Sheridan. I always want good things. I mean, I first saw him in mud and I will always champion that movie. And he is just so phenomenal in that movie. He was, um, yeah. and, uh, I mean, that's just a hidden gem right there. Um, <laughs> but, this I okay, and I'm ready for some blowback on this because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is about some uh, some movie nerd blasphemy about to come out of my mouth. Spielberg was the wrong choice to direct. Hmm. I'm. I. I. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> okay. I. I think. I think I know what you're saying there. <laughs> I think. I think like the way I was talking about it. Uh, a friend of mine is that it's. He looks like he like on paper, of course, Spielberg. Yes. Like you look, why wouldn't this be Steven Spielberg? But that's exactly why it didn't work for me because it was the logical choice. Right. And I think a maybe somewhat established director, an up and coming director, someone that needs a resurgence, uh, maybe uh, Neil Blomkamp, uh, some Chappie Redemption, you know? Maybe. Um, I I think I can tell you who would have done fantastically with this if the if the film had been the book transposed. I think Christopher Nolan would have killed this. Yeah. See, I don't know about that either. So, uh, I don't really want a big name director oh, I, on this. I I, yeah. I know. I'm I'm just uh, yeah. saying based on mm-hmm. previous work, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he would or, have been a fantastic choice. Yeah. Or like a like a prestige director, like TV director, like Timothy Van Patten. You know. Um, yeah. He's done some Black Mirror episodes, you know, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, someone I, like him that's going to bring something unique to it, where as Spielberg, I just really knew what I was getting. And I, I don't know how much say he had in the, the, the soundtrack, but I thought it was a very odd and uninspired soundtrack as well. Like, um, like yeah, do we need to hear Van Halen's jump for the three thousandth time on a soundtrack? And and I know it's like that's and you can correct me if these were written in at all into the book at all, but because I can't fault them for what a you know a novelist no, wrote. But yeah, I, yeah, the um, the the thing with the book is that the the guy that created the Oasis. He is obsessed with eighties and early nineties pop culture mm-hmm. and music. So, but they were all so very obvious eighties, well, just like Spielberg, all so obvious. No, yeah, choices. They, they they were, but that uh, part of what I take away from at least the book and uh, kind of what I at least hope this film is pointing out is like is that is like everyone is just kind of obsessed with the nostalgia and all of that. So everyone is making all of the obvious choices that the the lead character drives a DeLorean, which is a cool car because of Back to the Future. But it's like, of course someone had a DeLorean if we're going for these film references and stuff. Of course King Kong was in it. Of course, like all of this sort of stuff, because it's, it's all of these references to this time period and this era and mm. this sort of culture. Yeah, and that's the other thing because this is what twenty forty five. Yes, right, and they are made like it, it's a lot of it is eighties references. So that is sixty five years ago. <laughs> that's like us making like 
Charleston references or like uh, maybe not quite that far back, but like, yeah. you know, oh, you remember, oh, that Roosevelt references instead, you know, like it seems like, you know, nostalgia is, has a shorter shelf life than that. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it seems to be every like 30 years or so, you know, 20, like 80s are really big, you know, kind of right now. Um, yeah. or were, you know, five, six years ago, you know, but uh, that was like, really? They're still obsessed about the 80s? Like, and then this is more 90s. I was really shocked to hear a there's something about Mary reference. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who is getting that in 2045? Like, yeah, no one's well, that, getting that reference in like five years from now. Yeah, the, um, well, the, the thing that is definitely played up more in the book um and yeah so to bring it up but uh yeah they they didn't do a good job of like telling you as much as they needed to in the film is that because halliday was obsessed with that everyone that is looking for the egg they become obsessed with that they, they delve into everything that Halliday ever watched growing up, everything that he ever referenced. They watched those films. They listened to that music. They watched so, the yeah. over and So over I guess that's over. what the um, – when um, – pardon me, when uh, Percival yeah. first goes to, like, we first see him in the archives, I guess that's what that scene's trying to say. He's like, you know, first, you know, when he opened up, you know, his mind's journal or whatever, that, you know, the place was packed with people trying to learn everything they could about him. But, you know, um, I guess that's kind of what that scene was trying to get across. Yeah, it it definitely was one of those things that they they really tried to put it across without, like, hitting you over the head with it. But the problem is that if you don't already know it, you kind of need it in this film because you're not really paying that much attention to every line someone's saying because there's so much on the screen that you're focused on i think so i, I think they yeah. did need to to work a bit harder at that uh, but yeah uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple of ideas here but was there uh, a point you wanted to get across here um well one thing that i i felt was really well done in the film was the style of the oasis that the uh, the almost uncanny valley level of how the people look but it still was very obvious that you're in this fantasy setting and i think it's some of the best cg i've seen in a long time even though it was still like it's obviously cg because it's all taking place we know it's taking place in this virtual reality so it's uh, um, now you know what I kept thinking of, and obviously this looks better because it's been seventeen years ago. But uh, Final Fantasy, the the spirits within, when they're in the Oasis, you know that one, right? Yes, I do. With unfortunately, Sullivan. I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to really, really like that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I make no case for it now. Um, yeah, automatically. I, yep, James Woods. Anything with James Woods? Nope. Sorry, passing as well as Alec Baldwin passing. But uh, yeah, um, that's kind of what I was imagining, like or what it kept bringing to mind. Just that almost looks like a person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it. 
yeah, <laughs> jumping to that just momentarily, I, I was a big fan of a couple of the Final Fantasies growing up. So when I saw that film, I was like, oh, cool, Final Fantasy. Oh, no, what have you done? Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Like, what, what did, where, where's Final Fantasy? What what have you done with this thing? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, and that would be the first movie ever, or only movie ever, I should say, to ruin a beloved video game franchise. Right? <laughs> I think so. Yes, I they've pretty much nailed it every time since. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely see what you what you're saying with that one. Um, I, I will say, who was um, who was uh, shoot uh, Holiday's Avatar? Oh, Anorak. Anorak. Oh yeah, Anorak. Yeah, Anorak. I thought he looked pretty great. Um, yeah, I will give credit where credit is due. I thought he looked pretty great. Oh yeah, yeah, and he he was really good. I I thought that um, they did really well with H. Like, I I thought that H uh, like was one of those characters that you would think would like, even though it's clearly a virtual reality, and you know people can take whatever shape and form they want. You would think, oh, having an orc with these characters would get a little silly, uh, but I, I felt that, uh, and obviously it's uh, a real, a real showing of just how good Lena Wraith is. That like at no point did I feel it was at all odd. It it was just this this orc was helping these guys out, and that's fine. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. All right. Um... Another comparison that I wanted to get your read on was as far as like the relationship between um, Artemis and Principal and kind of their back and forth of chemistry. I could not stop thinking of Chris Pratt and Elizabeth Banks in the Lego movie, Wild Style. And <laughs> yeah, like, no, I <laughs> I think it was like carbon copy. Yeah, I I, I can I can see what you mean there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's. I was like, it's just. But I'll still default to the Lego Movie actually on that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I again. Uh, th- this was uh, one thing that I felt that the film did badly in, and I fully understand why why they're together. They are in the film, and like they meet at a certain point in the film but yeah it 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 is way better in the book uh, in that respect uh, uh but yeah i i did feel that the way that they made those two characters in the film i think it was a studio note i feel like the studio was like no we've got to get these people together in the same room they've got to be falling for each other together as well as in virtual reality like it uh, it yeah, I, I will definitely concede that it was not great. It was... Uh, <laughs> that part was not great. <laughs> uh, nothing against the actor and actress there. It's just, I think they were just making the best with what they had and what they had was uh, not necessarily um, what we want to see, I would say. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you uh, want to ask me anything here about <laughs> my uh, well, experience watching this? Um, well, I you said obviously the the music, the soundtrack. You were definitely not into. Yeah. It. 
what about the sound editing in general? Like the li- the little tiny stings, like obviously pulling on the nostalgia, but you know the, the I, Back to the Future nods and uh, like you know I was okay with it, but still a lot of it seemed like my theme for this podcast is kind of safe. It felt safe. right. Um, <laughs> e- even like the the sound of like the coins collecting felt. I mean, heard it sounded exactly like I thought it would. Right. I had to like hear, play me four or five samples of that. I would have picked the one that they would use. Um, and somebody think, well, what's wrong with that? But I, I want something different. I don't know. Um, and I know that's a hard line to ride when you're trying to pay all these homages to, you know, the, and all these references um, to do something different. But I don't know. Just a lot of it seemed very controlled and i don't recall once going oh my god that was a crazy choice or a bold choice or i (laughs) did not see you know what not even plot related just just from a design or sound or visual anything uh Hmm. some things looked good but they looked exactly as i thought they would uh, if that makes any sense no yeah i i get it uh uh i i can I can I could definitely see where you're coming from there, and there were definitely bits in the film that, despite how much I enjoyed them, I w- was always thinking like, oh, they they're focusing so much on this bit, but the scope is much bigger, and I would have loved to have seen the scope like more, because especially with the big battle at the end for the uh, like trying to bring down the force field, and then just the huge battle between. IOI and everyone else and yeah cause the, uh, like it was just focusing on the kind of skirmish and yeah. again without trying to spoil things or whatever it's a bit bigger than that <laughs> in, <laughs> in the <laughs> source material so okay yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shoot um, I just lost my train of thought there but yeah um, but, yeah you know, once again it just felt very kind of Attack of the Clones ish. That that's a little too harsh. I'm, I'm sorry, Ready Player <laughs> One. You don't deserve that. But it's the best I can come up with in the moment. Right. But like, here's this giant battle scene that I'm not super invested in. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I see. I I definitely do see where you come from, and I feel like the the nostalgia definitely wasn't enough for you. Well, you uh, just can't say here's a Delorean. Ooh, yeah, ooh, Delorean. Here's uh, the Iron Giant. No, you have to. It has to be woven into a, the the script in a way that it's essential. Or I and I know the Iron Giant comes back into play. Yes, <laughs> but it has to. You just can't show that to me immediately and just be like, oh, okay, I'm you know something shiny. You know, you know no, I, I, it has to have be more grounded in the reality of you know, of the narrative. Um, I don't know. Like, I just thought it was a lot of, Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to realize that I think one reason why I might've been kind of all in for the nostalgia and watching the film that way is because I read the book. I feel like, like I, I already had my story. I knew where it would end to an extent uh, because mm-hmm. there are some narrative changes and that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I I feel like maybe if you 
like if you read the book and then go back and watch this, maybe you'll have a slightly different take on it, uh, which uh, which I I would be fascinated to see. I tell you what, you read the book, I will buy this when it comes out. You come round, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and we will if, rewatch this. Not, all right, that might be the only circumstance I'd really feel like rewatching this. I mean, until it's like free on it or you know offered on a streaming service but yeah right. um <laughs> that's a ways away so yes yeah uh, i would now, be into that uh, uh, mm-hmm. now, i i had to ask you then what was your reaction when they were walking down into the overlook hotel like because for <sighs> me when i saw yeah. that i was i was just kind of blown away with with like Wow, that looks really good. Like I, I, I felt, I felt like they remade the set, and we were watching. Mm-hmm. Like we were, they filmed inside the set, and then they inserted the characters later in post. And I'm sure that's not what they did, but that's what it looked like to me. So I was just like kind of blown away with that. It, you, you know, credit where credit's due. It looked great. Um, and and I, yeah, I didn't. You know that was a fun little. I'm being a little too harsh. That was a fun little section of the of the movie. Um, I didn't quite understand. I know I, I said I want to steer away from the book, but was this in the book, The Shining um, scene n- or no. scenes? No. no. See, I didn't quite get that choice either. Um, other than just another tribute to King or whatever you want to. Um, but yeah, there you know, I, there was a couple laughs. That was the thing here, like uh, just because I, I don't know, I'm fairly familiar with that film, and uh, so I did kind of appreciate uh, some of the the references or in jokes in, in those scenes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was really well done, and I was surprised with how far they went with it. I and mean, obviously, you've got the woman in the bathtub now they didn't show everything that they did in the shining because you can't in a pg-13 film but yeah i I thought that that was well done so i was uh i think that was probably my favorite scene overall up until (laughs) when they get into the ballroom i thought everything from when they go down to it to then was uh, my favorite bit of the film yeah mm-hmm. yeah well uh yeah also say ballrooms yeah a lot of like i said i, I don't want to say there weren't things i didn't like because they're because from a visual standpoint a lot of this looked great just like i said not surprising or revolutionary or you know um i'm sorry the stakes have been raised from <laughs> from black panther I, i'm sorry i'm still <laughs> uh not that i expect every film to get in that you know into that you know ballpark or range at all but it's just i don't know like things looked great yeah i'm just gonna repeat myself so i just need to stop talking (laughs) (laughs) um i do want to oh shoot yeah just kind of lost my train of thought there again Um, um, well i i was going to ask as well i i think that this is one of if not my absolute most favorite use of the word fuck in a pg-13 film oh and remind me for the the amnesiac or poor memory where where did that come in that would be in the final battle sequence when h passes parzival the chucky doll and he throws it out the window and it goes towards the ioi 
person and it's just that fucking chucky <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah 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 okay fine that was over. that was okay <laughs> <laughs> even i can't be a stick for mud on that all right yeah true I, I, um uh when that hit I, I think me and pretty much everyone else in the cinema just started laughing quite loudly at that one there was uh uh, I I felt it was de- well deserved at that point. But, yeah, I was actually, yeah. uh, and obviously this is speaking towards how all of these ratings shift and stuff over the years. I was surprised at the amount of swearing in this film. I mean, obviously the word shit is said like at least ten times, mm-hmm. if not more, throughout the film. So I was genuinely surprised that they got that in as many times as they did. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know and uh, uh, I feel like maybe the people that were rating it they weren't paying too much attention to that maybe they were sucked in, in the nostalgia as well and they were like oh yeah uh, uh, PG-13 there you go everyone can go see it yeah I don't uh, yeah I just think I've seen nostalgia done a lot better um, I mean Stranger Things that's <laughs> that's that's a uh, I, I know comparing the film to uh, streaming series but that's that really lets the nostalgia serve the story in, in in a very natural way without beating you over the head with it um and that's i mean I guess, once again like uh, another like jurassic world i think poor nostalgia once again like i think used a lot of tricks to try to get you into a very subpar film and you know um so there's a right way to do it and i just didn't think this was the right way to do it um so i don't know how much of that like i say can be based upon the original story or how much of that was spielberg and the direction he took yeah i mean i i I think the biggest thing that i i kind of take away from the the book is that it is a world of nostalgia like for for the most part, because the people you're following in the book are people that are so entrenched in like, that culture because they're you know they've studied everything about it because the the creator of the Oasis was like that much of a a geek that he was obsessed with it. So I felt going into this film, there's no way it couldn't just be a pure nostalgia trip. So. And maybe that's why I was okay with it because that's what I was expecting. And, yeah, and, I mean, I I know you probably figured it was going to be heavy on the nostalgia, but maybe not quite as much as uh, it turned out to be. Well, yeah, it was like I said. They, I think they lost some chance at more. Uh, uh, someone somewhere there was a story with a little more heart and kind of connection. Um, and I think it could have been something different. Special if it hadn't just smacked you so consistently over the head with the nostalgia. Um, yeah, still things I loved. I, I thought uh, Halliday as the troubled loner genius. I mean, even though that's a, an archetype we've seen a lot, um, I still thought he brought something a little different to it uh, to that character. Um, I really enjoyed his screen time. I, I will say that one hundred percent. I really did enjoy. I mean, and that's just Mark Rylance. Like, yeah, there's a reason that guy's so good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, he, he was very captivating to watch. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun watching him just talking about it because uh, it was interesting to finally see 
on screen that character because uh, I don't remember if it's directly in the book that he is someone that would have had either Asperger's or autism like that but uh, he, he is he was seen as as you said the kind of Willy Wonka-esque character who was definitely not very great socially but had this brilliant mind and was able to come up with it and I was wondering how were they going to go with that in the film and not only did I feel that he was able to portray him fantastically, I also thought that it was just a great representation of, and because I work in that field, someone that would have that developmental disability because you know, he is someone who maybe doesn't fully understand the the social cues or the, the norms <laughs> of society, yeah. but he is like, He's the guy that created all this. He so is... I think it sums up in the quote, uh, she wanted to go dancing, so we watched a movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I feel you, dude. Yep, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's watch Strictly Ballroom. Is that a compromise? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and sidebar, I need to rewatch that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's probably my favorite Bowser Lerman. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, really, it's told. Uh, uh, no, uh, I'm not even going to say that out loud. I can't admit what my favorite is. But for the record, it is strictly ballroom. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I think. Pretty, oh, you know what? Uh, we talked about things I liked as far, and then we've talked about obviously, generally things I didn't care for. But I could not contain myself. Um, spoiler alert, of course. Mm-hmm. When the Iron Giant meets his demise yep um he like i said you've been warned listeners he uh starts to sink into some molten uh metal Molten lava whatever you want to call it (laughs) and raises his thumb up a la terminator 2 judgment day and i (laughs) so paul uh real quick i watched this at the strand which paul knows is a small theater in the town i live so Mm -hmm. really um even their biggest theater is still Probably only seats a hundred and fifty hundred, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, but not super crowded. And I, I sit close to the back in, when I go see movies there. So there, I think, only one guy behind me. But I was sitting grumpily for quite a while <laughs> watching <laughs> this, and um, with, like I said, a few spots of humor and stuff. But when I saw that. <laughs> I matched his thumbs up with a middle finger to the screen and said, fuck you. <laughs> and thank God the guy behind me laughed. Because <laughs> I did not plan on saying that, and I did not plan on saying it as loud as I said it. <laughs> I was so mad uh, that I thought that was such a cheap fucking trick. Uh, I don't know. So that was my feeling. That that was when I was, nope. I'm just not going to... Sorry, if you ever had me, which you didn't, you definitely lost me now. <laughs> yep, okay. See, that uh, was saying, like, it's not even... You have an Iron, Iron Giant doing a reference from a completely separate film. It's just... So that's just my argument. Like, okay, nostalgia, layered upon nostalgia, layered upon another reference. And no, fuck you. I'm not... No, I'm not going to be played like that. Sorry. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and that... I, I think that's the thing, like, uh, uh, knowing the characters as I do, that is exactly what H would have done. And 
they obviously you're yeah very hung up on the fact that it is the Iron Giant doing the Terminator, and that's just a mishmash of nostalgia references more than anything else. So yeah, no it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's something that. I, and I, I can feel... see that. Yeah, I can see that being something that if you know the character better through the novel, that that's a choice they make. But uh, I don't know. To put it on the screen, it didn't work. Not for me. Yeah, no, th- this is something. And I was talking to uh, some people I work with about that before I went to see it. I feel that what they should have done is make it a two-part film. Because the the way the book is set up the book isn't set up as like a two-part thing but there's there is a point in the book that feels like if you were going to make it into a film you have everything happen up to this point and then the second film is the culmination of everything from that moving forward and i was kind of hoping that we'd find out that there was a uh, it turns out oh this actually is part one of two because I felt even with two hours that we wouldn't have been able to get everything. Uh, and we kind of didn't. And I feel that kind of like we've been saying, the the biggest issue with this film is the lack of character development and getting to know the characters well enough because they did have to just hit the ground running with this film because they had to get through everything. And even though you get some character development, you don't get to know the characters well enough at the beginning for it to pay off. That yeah, way. and this is uh, an unearned dig, but I feel like it, it was as much character development as like a Divergent movie or something. And I've never seen one of those, so that's why it's an unearned <laughs> dig. But I just get the sense that that's about as much character development as we got. Here. Yes, uh, I I will say um, it is slightly better than like twilight in that respect um <laughs> and i've seen the first twilight film so i feel i'm perfectly uh, fine saying that uh, <laughs> uh, i have but, as well yeah yes, but but that is and the reason it's better than that is because you know these characters can actually show emotion of some description but like i yeah i'm i'm kind of on the fence i feel like steven spielberg had this idea with this film and this film like if it were if i had to give him benefit of the doubt i feel like this film was made this way intentionally because the kind of overarching theme is because everything in this world is a nostalgia trip this film is simply a nostalgia trip like it it has a story to tell but in doing so it's just filled to the brim with references to everything you can think of and i i think that the problem with that is people that are going into this blind are going to be hit with that and i think this film was made for people that have seen that have read the book first and foremost and uh it, it yeah I, I mean i <laughs> perhaps yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I i suppose i can see that but um yeah you gotta kind of do more than that i think if you're yeah at least trying to have a (laughs) a big success on here and then the other point i'm going to sound like a really old man on this but so damn long there's no reason (laughs) this type of film 
why does everything have to be two hours and 20 now? Oh, dear God. Um, Marvel <laughs> is one thing. But yeah. this movie, 10 years ago, would be an hour and 40 minutes. That's it. Like, and yeah. I know that might be at odds with me saying lacking character development and things of that nature. But I, I thought there was a lot of stuff that could have been cut. Um, a lot of stuff with as great as Ben Mandelson is, a lot of his stuff could have been cut. Um, yeah, which I love him as as an actor, but I mean, to for him to play a one dimensional baddie, uh, I didn't, you know, need a, a little of that goes a long way for me. Um, yeah. So I don't know, just it was overstuffed for me, and uh, it was like it's like okay, I think we're in the third act now. <laughs> think and you never want to be that you know you never want to have that feeling when you're watching a movie like is it over yet <laughs> is, oh my god they still haven't even gotten to the climactic <laughs> moment yeah. yet you know because then we're still having at least another 20 minutes after that to wrap things up you know and it, yeah it's, it, it's... it just was so unnecessarily long yeah. at least in this guy's opinion <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um yeah i can get behind that because it's just the the, like I said, I feel like this should have been a two-film thing, and that would have solved most of the issues. You could have had, let's say, an, an hour and 45, and then an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and you could have told the story, and you could have had that breathing room. like So people aren't leaving thinking it's way too long. Uh, but, yeah. It, uh, and, yeah, like I mean, you said, Marvel... They've they pretty much have earned their long run times at this point. They yeah, I every... mean anyone that's I don't know who's starting on phase three of Marvel. You know, I'm like wow, <laughs> these movies are long. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they you know there there's the built in audience, so everyone knows what they're getting with those films, and yeah. they're they ex- kind of expect it, and you're gonna you expect to sit through the credits and all that. You know, it's a and, an experience in and of itself um but a standard run-of-the-mill for me action flick doesn't need to be this drawn out no yeah it 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 doesn't uh i mean uh, as as we've been saying i i was okay with it just just because of the reasons that i've gone over and obviously (laughs) people that are not me uh, they will not be okay with it. So. Yeah, like the best way I can like I know I'm coming down hard, but I didn't hate this movie. It and this might even sound harsher. It doesn't deserve my hate, hatred. Hmm. Like, uh, like Mordecai, yes, you deserve my hatred one hundred percent. It it didn't do like Mordecai at least had the balls to be aggressively terrible <laughs> and. Uh, this was, you know, the way I would put it is, this for me is put it on on a Saturday, you know, if it's on on a Saturday afternoon while you're doing some chores around the house, that's yeah. the, this this type of movie for me. Tune in, tune out, watch a few scenes, yeah, and you're good. Yeah. Um, and with this runtime, like, this is going to be a three-hour movie on TV. This is going to be, like, Green Mile length, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it- I mean, yeah, I I don't want to go into a rant about how many ads are on TV. <laughs> it's a bit on the yeah. ridiculous side. I know, but um, do you have anything? Uh, uh, 
I did want to have uh, just kind of an impromptu. But I know uh, I think we should probably wrap get to wrapping up. But okay. uh, yeah, uh, do you consider this a video game movie? Or if I can, the second part of that question are video game movies strictly those that are adapted from a one specific game? Um. Well, that, I mean, it's an interesting question because the the whole idea behind, like, so if you say a horror film, that is a film that is like within the horror genre. So the question is, is a video game film like video game genre that therefore it has to either be directly from a video game or can it be about video games? Because that, and that's what I find interesting because. You could argue, if you really wanted to, that The Last Starfighter is a video game film. But I would not. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, generally, you would not. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so... a great fucking movie, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> People are going to be like, you like that piece of crap, but not yeah. Ready Player One? You're damn right I do. <laughs> uh, uh, well, and Tron. Like, Tron is not a, a game, but it takes place within a video game. So is that a video game film? No, no. I sorry, No, I meant real-life video games, you know. Yeah, um, so that, so that, that are it. playable. I would, Your Resident Evil, Silent Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would not class this as a video game yeah. film, then. Even um, though I did, well, 15 years ago, me would have really enjoyed uh, the scene of Master Chiefs running along. Um, yeah, <laughs> but then it was just kind of like, ah. even though I, yes, full admission, do have a um, Halo themed tattoo. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So now you all know my deep dark shame, everyone. Uh, at least one of them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the one I'm one of them I'm going to share. Yeah. Yes. And uh-huh. yeah, it's quite a side folks. It is just a full back tattoo of Master Chief's helmet. Really cool. uh- <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, with his tongue out, he's in, yeah, he's doing um, devil horns. You know, yeah. with his hands. Uh, no, it is my, which is probably even worse, my player emblem. Like your, you know, your created yeah. emblem. Yes. So I don't have. The words halo written on me. I don't know what's worse, but anyway, I didn't need to say all of that. <laughs> you did not, but you did. Feel free to cut that. No, I don't do that. <laughs> and cut this part where I'm talking about it. No, you'll do it too. That, uh, that means I'd have to actually do some editing. No, uh, yeah, do that. that's no, yeah. Um, anything else? I'm good. I feel like I've said my piece. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I, I said a few times, obviously, that uh, uh, talking with you has made me realize that yeah, this, this film, in my opinion, is definitely aimed at people that have read the book. So, yeah, I I would be really interested to know if other people have found that to be true. Like, uh, yeah, if you've seen the film and not read the book but really enjoyed it, I'd like to know why. And if you read the book and hated the film, I'd like to know why. It's I just. Get all of us and let us know what you guys thought, because uh, clearly we it it's another fun episode. I think that uh, we've been on two very different sides of this. And, uh, yeah, and I kind of enjoy this because yes, as much as we love talking about wonderful you know films like Blade Runner twenty forty nine together, you know Black Panther together, it's fun when there's a little bit of a tit for tat. And uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. We all get to learn something. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, um, I, I've asked before, but I think, yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, um, I was ready player one, everybody. <laughs> all right, yeah, and uh, for those of you uh, wondering, like, uh, oh, you're sure in the giveaways? We are. We are. We got one person that won our first giveaway, so we're going to... Uh, not have one in this episode because we still got one giveaway going as of recording. So you know, get get yourself listening to the Black Panther episode to find out how to win that one, and uh, maybe we'll uh, bring in another giveaway next time. So I believe that is very likely to happen yes. if I had to put money on it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not that we planned it or anything. Just, just, just no, so. <laughs> it's completely out of our hands. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's time to say good night or good morning or whatever yes. the hell you're listening to this is. Yes, and if we don't see you, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, I knew that was coming. All right. Yes. All right, God, you brought it on yourself. You really did. <laughs> I really did. Uh, all right. I, I I think we probably kept the, the good people's attention long enough. So uh, with uh, with all of this being said, I've been Paul. I've been Brian. See you, folks. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.